On Friday, leaked photos reportedly showed the set of Disney's new version of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, starring a Hispanic lady and a bunch of tall guys. Initially, Disney told the Daily Beast that the photos were fake, but a Disney spokesman later recanted the denial and insisted instead that the photos were real, just not official, whatever official means. They were obviously taken on set. And of course they were real. This is all Hollywood can do now. It just remakes old stuff because it has no new stories to tell, and it does so in a way that not only reliably erases white people, but at a deeper level than that, just doesn't make any sense. Of course, Snow White is brown. Of course, the dwarves are tall. It's 2023. Up is down, right is left, dudes are chicks. The next 101 Dalmatians will be played by Chihuahuas. The next Finding Nemo reboot will star a pigeon. The next Lion King will be Coco the Gorilla. It would be bad enough if our culture were merely absurd. What's happened to pop culture is even worse. It's become entirely predictable. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. This episode is brought to you by Good Ranchers. Get great meat at a secure price and 30 bucks off your order with my code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Knowles today. Bobby Kennedy Jr. making some waves by suggesting that COVID was a bioweapon that was developed to target certain ethnicities and that spared other ethnicities, including Asians and Ashkenazi Jews, creating all sorts of ways. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. First, though, at least one generally predictable genre has been shaken up over the last few days. The genre, presidential debates and interviews, the man who shook it up, Tucker Carlson. Tucker hosted a candidate forum in Des Moines, Iowa. The Blaze aired it. And it wasn't a proper presidential debate in that he was just grilling candidates individually. But Tucker woke up Friday morning and Tucker chose violence. And Tucker burned down about half the GOP presidential field. The most brutal exchange of the day was with Mike Pence and it concerned the war in Ukraine. You are, distra- you. You are distressed notice. that the Ukrainians don't have enough American tanks. Every city in the United States has become much worse over the past three years. Yeah. Drive around. There's not one city that's gotten better in the United States. Right. And it's visible. Our economy has degraded. The suicide rate has jumped. Public filth and disorder and crime have exponentially increased. Right. And yet... Your concern is that the Ukrainians, a country most people can't find on a map, who've received tens of billions of U.S. tax dollars, don't have enough tanks. I think it's a fair question to ask, like, where's the concern for the United States in that? Well, it's not my concern. (laughs) Tucker, I've heard that routine from you before, but that's not my concern. I'm running for president of the United States because I think this country's in a lot of trouble. I think Joe Biden has weakened America at home and abroad. And as president of the United States, we're going to restore law and order in our cities. We're going to secure our border. We're going to get this economy moving again. Okay. It's a terrible answer. It was a terrible answer. It almost certainly destroyed what chance there was for Mike Pence's 
presidential campaign. And yet, I think Pence's critics are being a little disingenuous here. It seems clear enough to me that Mike Pence was not actually saying that the American interest is not his concern. I know that's what it sounds like, but if we're being charitable and we're being honest here, I don't think that's actually what he's saying. Tucker says, well, all this terrible stuff's happening in America. Your concern is that Ukraine doesn't have enough American tanks. Well, where's the concern for the American interest? And Mike Pence says, well, that's not my concern. What do you think he's referring to there? Do you think he's referring to that little bit at the end? Or do you think that Mike Pence started formulating his answer when Tucker said, your concern is that Ukraine doesn't have enough American tanks? And he was planning to give this canned packaged answer, which he immediately launches into, which is America's in trouble. You know, and he just, he just goes right into the stump speech. It's obviously the latter. And yet the, the result is going to be the same. It's, it's not that people are dunking on Pence here because of his, his answer in this exchange. People are highlighting this exchange because they already want to dunk on Pence because they already don't support him. And I know the effect of that is, is identical, but he's not really saying that. It's just that people believe that his, the, the, the uncharitable way of interpreting his answer gets to a deeper truth, perhaps an unwitting and unconscious truth about Pence's answer, which is they view Mike Pence as being a representative of this mid-2000s kind of Republican orthodoxy that's much more concerned about cutting taxes at home, not really fighting the culture war all that hard, and policing the world and engaging in adventures abroad. Fair or unfair, that's what they think that Pence is after, and Pence's answer did not do him any service there. Pence, though, by the way, always had a pretty much impossible path in this presidential race. The people who support Trump hate him because Pence refused to hold up the certification of the the votes on election day. The people who hate Trump hate Pence because Pence made a deal with the devil and served as the vice president for Trump for four years. So his support base basically did not exist. And he's been trying to navigate these two fields. It It was not going to work. And then Tucker came in and just pulled that pin out of the grenade, threw it into the Mike Pence presidential campaign, and fairly or unfairly, completely blew it up. Now, some GOP establishment types are insisting that this Ukraine issue, it's not a big deal. It's not really going to affect the way that people vote in 2024. Americans vote on domestic policy, not on foreign policy. Come on, get out of here, move along. Well, this is a lot more than just an academic question because the war in Ukraine is heating up. The Biden administration is becoming more belligerent in Ukraine. And now Joe Biden is calling up reservists potentially to fight the war in Ukraine. So it's it's no longer just, we're going to send some tanks and guns over there to Ukraine and the Ukrainians can defend their own country. Increasingly, you're seeing the normalization of talks that American servicemen will be fighting against Russians in Ukraine, which strikes me as completely insane, but that's what the Biden administration is doing. Biden just said, just declared, I'll read the exact language. By the authority vested in me as president by the Constitution, the laws of the United States, including sections 121 and uh, 12304 of Title 10 U.S. Code, I hereby determine that it is necessary to augment the active armed forces of the United States for the effective conduct of Operation Atlantic Resolve in and around the United States European Command's area of responsibility. That's a lot of jargon. That's a lot of gobbledygook. What does it mean? It means that we are further preparing the U.S. military 
to participate in something called Operation Atlantic Resolve. What is Operation Atlantic Resolve? That started in 2014. And it, it uh, in fact, I have friends who were part of it. Uh, it bolstered the U.S. military presence in the wake of Russia's invasion of Crimea in 2014. So this was during the, the Obama administration. This goes back a long ways. And so you might say, well, the war in Ukraine is increasingly unpopular now in the year of our Lord 2023. That's true. But the war in Ukraine didn't start a year ago. The war in Ukraine didn't start even two years ago. The war in Ukraine has been building and American participation in that war has been building for almost a decade now. 2014. This is a long time coming. The the CIA director was landing in Kiev almost a decade ago after the color revolution, after the Maidan revolution that kicked out a pro-Russian leader in Ukraine and installed a more pro-Western leader in Ukraine. So the the participation has been much more longstanding than a lot of people know. And the stakes are much higher here. We're, We're bought in on Ukraine. Forget the bazillions of dollars that we've given to Ukraine over the last two years. And so there is no holdup from the DOD and from the liberal establishment to increase the the tensions in that war. That's why Tucker Carlson is saying, hey, if the Democrats are already bought in on fighting in Ukraine and half the Republicans are already bought in on that, I'm going to stand up here. I want to hold people's feet to the fire and call attention to this war before it spins totally out of control. Now, he wants to restore balance to foreign policy. We need to restore balance to nature, which is why you got to check out Balance of Nature. Right now, go to balanceofnature.com. Use promo code Knowles. Balance of Nature fruits and veggies are a great way to make sure you are getting essential nutritional ingredients every single day. Through Balance of Nature's advanced cold vacuum process, the vitamins, minerals, and phytonutrients of the fruits and veggies are preserved so that you can get that vital nutrition in each capsule. Balance of Nature is a whole food supplement with no additives, fillers, extracts, synthetics, pesticides, or added sugar. Pure fruits and veggies are the only things they put in their capsules. I love this. I love this more, I think, than even these jackal hyenas around the Daily Wire who go and they rip it all and they take it all away when we get a delivery to the Daily Wire before even yours truly can get his hands on any. Balance of Nature sent a bunch of their products down here. You know how that works out with these, with these animals. I got to get, get there faster. Reap all kinds of benefits when you check it out. Your body will thank you. For a limited time this summer, when you become a preferred customer of Balance of Nature, they're throwing in a free fruit and veggies travel set and giving an additional 25 bucks off your first order. Go to balanceofnature.com. Use promo code Knowles for a free travel set and 25 bucks off your first order as a preferred customer. Balanceofnature.com, promo code Knowles. Now, as Biden wants to escalate the war in Ukraine, as Mike Pence gets caught, apparently seeming like he cares more about Ukraine than the U.S., even though I think that's sort of an unfair reading, as as this becomes a major wedge issue, Donald Trump is being held out as the guy who doesn't want war, doesn't want to increase tensions in Ukraine. And yet, right now, they got him. Trump's critics on the right are pointing out that in a recent interview with Maria Bartiromo, Trump praised Ukrainian leader Vladimir Zelensky, and said that he would give Ukraine even more weapons. So you're seeing this especially from people who are working for, either working directly for or practically speaking working for the DeSantis campaign among the right-wing commentariat. They're attacking Trump and they're saying Donald Trump wants to increase U.S. donations of munitions and arms and tanks to Ukraine, wants to increase that war. He's a neocon. He's for a forever war. He's for foreign adventurism. And it's just BS. Here is the full exchange. 
You said you could end the war in Ukraine in 24 hours. Yes, I How did. would you do that? Uh, I know Zelensky very well. I felt he was very honorable because when they asked him about the perfect phone call that I made, he said it was indeed perfect. He said it was, he didn't even know what they were talking about. He could have grandstanded, oh, I felt threatened. Well, that's not going to be enough for Putin to stop bombing No, Ukraine. no, 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 I'm not saying that. I, what I'm saying is that I know Zelensky very well and I know Putin very well, even better. And I had a good relationship, very good with both of them. I would tell Zelensky, no more, you got to make a deal. I would tell Putin, if you don't make a deal, we're going to give them a lot. We're going to give them more than they ever got if we have to. I will have the deal done in one day, one day. So you see what they're doing. The people who hate Trump on the right, they're only clipping out that last part. And they're saying, oh, I'm going to give Zelensky more than he's ever gotten. They clip out the first part and the last part. He's a very honorable man, and I'm going to give him more than he's ever gotten. And they, they're going to make him sound like he's, you know, Lindsey Graham 2.0 or something. But they're missing that middle part, which is the most crucial aspect, where he says, I would tell Zelensky to make a deal. The reason that the war in Ukraine is still going on is because the Biden administration and the liberal establishment wants it to go on. And so they're, they're not encouraging dis- diplomacy at all. They're bolstering this insane idea that they're going to rat every single Russian troop from every part of Ukraine, including Crimea. It's never going to happen. And so the liberal establishment keeps pushing that. Trump says, why does he flatter Zelensky? Because he wants to have influence with Zelensky. Says, he and I got along great. Oh, he's a good guy. And I'm going to tell him, sit down, come to the table, give up your most ambitious goals sit down and make a deal with Putin. And then look, I've got a great relationship with Putin. I'm going to tell him to come to the table, but the leverage he's going to have on Putin is he's going to say, and if Putin won't come to the table, I'm going to arm Zelensky to the hilt. Maybe you like Trump. Maybe you hate Trump. Maybe you think Trump is good at making the art of the deal. Maybe you think he's a terrible negotiator and he's just a bragger and a blowhard or whatever you think about him. But it is completely disingenuous to say that Trump is calling for an escalation of the war in Ukraine. That is the exact opposite of what he is saying. And I, I actually had forgotten that this is how presidential primaries are, is that people tend to dig in and they pick a candidate, even among the commentary, even among the journalists, they pick a candidate and they decide that this is going to be my candidate ride or die. And they will sometimes even be dishonest and disingenuous about what the other candidates have said. And I've told you from the beginning, I think I might be alone in the right-wing commentariat to say, I am not working for a campaign. I'm not going to endorse in a primary, or at least I'm going to do my level best not to endorse in a primary. So I'm going to call it like I see it. And if that means that I'm going to defend Mike Pence sometimes, even if that's, I'm going to do it. And if that means I'm going to defend Donald Trump sometimes, I'm going to do it. And if that means I'm going to defend Ron DeSantis sometimes, I'm going to do it. And all the other guys too. There are a lot more people that, uh, Tucker really exposed, for better and worse, which we'll get to in one second. First, though, speaking of Russia, I'm glad somebody listened to my CPAC speech. I'm glad that there were some politicians in the world who were listening to my CPAC speech, which called not just to raise the age at which you can trans the kids, which called not just to maybe more tightly regulate puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones, but which said that for the good of society, and especially for the good of the poor individuals who have fallen prey to this confusion, transgenderism must be eradicated from public life entirely, the whole preposterous ideology at every level. Some politicians are implementing that. And I'm sorry to say it's not our politicians here in America. It's not even the politicians in the West broadly. It's the Russian Duma. 
the Russians just passed draft legislation banning gender change. State Doom authorities added provisions to the bill, approved on Thursday to ban transgender people from adopting or fostering children to annul their marriages if one of the couple subsequently changes gender and that will prohibit the, the transgender procedures broadly. It's, it's very sad to me when our geopolitical opponents, some of whom have dabbled in really bad ideas throughout history, have greater moral clarity than we do. The science, such as it is, is very clear. The transgender transition helps nobody. The whole argument for the transgender transition is that some people are confused about their sex and they have high rates of anxiety, depression, and suicidality. They have a suicide rate of about, a suicide attempt rate of about 41%. So the argument is we need to let them chop up their bodies and mutilate themselves. We need to castrate children in order to ameliorate that. And the fact is, even if you're just looking at the science, it, it doesn't achieve that at all. The, the suicide rate is basically exactly the same post-transition, surgical, hormonal, all the rest of it, as it is beforehand. The, the transgender transition does not help anxiety or depression or suicidality. In fact, the largest data set we have on this question shows that it actually makes at least one of those categories, anxiety, worse. It's bad, but we don't need the science and we don't need a bunch of studies to know that because we can know, we can deduce just using our faculties of reason that men and women are different and men can't become women and women can't become men. And we, we can also know that lies are very cruel and will alienate you and isolate you from reality and make you deeply unhappy and the truth will set you free. That's a thing we can know. We don't need a microscope to know that. You can just use your faculties of reason and your moral conscience. So this is obviously very wrong. You, you know the tree by its fruit. Every fruit of the transgender movement has been absolutely evil and wicked and misery-making. And now not only are we allowing poor adults to follow mental illness and spiritual darkness into these terrible places. But now we're foisting this on children as well, really, really young children, prepubescent children. And it's just absolutely ghastly and evil. And it is a national shame. It is a civilizational shame that we here in the United States, we're supposed to be the good guys. We here in the West, we're supposed to be the good guys. We're castrating little kids and condemning them to a life that will very plausibly end in suicide, while the Russians, they're supposed to be the bad guys. Remember, until the early 90s, they were communists, godless, evil communists. Well, these guys are the ones who are saying, no, we're not going to condemn people to this miserable, awful fate, and we're not going to enshrine decadence and depravity and falsehood and lies and wickedness as a national policy, okay? And it's, it's really really sad. And it's a great national disgrace. And it, it requires a little bit of introspection here because I want us to be the good guys. But to be the good guys, we got to stop doing bad stuff. We got to stop killing 800,000 babies a year. That's really bad. History is not going to look kindly on us for doing that. Turning poor little kids into eunuchs, that's really bad. History is not going to look kindly on us. Enshrining sexual decadence as the greatest and actually sole moral good in our culture, that's really bad. There's a lot of bad stuff in Russia too. But on, on this particular issue, the Russians have it right. And we in America, we've become so confident in our moral superiority over those awful evil Russians or the Chinese or whoever that, that we lose sight of that. 
is when we become very confident in that moral superiority, we fall into the sin of pride, which is the queen of all vice. We just had a month literally celebrating pride, and pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Now, when you want to improve your body, you're going to want to feed it good ranchers. Right now, go to goodranchers.com, use promo code Knowles. You know I love anything made with top-of-the-line quality. For me, that is Good Ranchers, period. The only thing missing is a pork box. And then if you ask, they deliver. Good Ranchers has just launched their prime pork, 100% American pork that is steakhouse quality. This new pork box comes with bone-in and boneless pork chops, sausage, smoked brats, and more. Plus, right now, you will get 30 bucks off with code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, at goodranchers.com. On their site, you can explore all their all-American cuts of prime pork, prime beef, and better-than-organic chicken options. If you've tried their beef and chicken before, you know how phenomenal it is. got to try this prime pork at least once. Trust me, these guys, the quality is unsurpassed. The other guys don't even come close. It's, it's my favorite meal. It's my favorite meal that I can look forward to of any regular week when I come home. What are you waiting for? Enjoy real meat and real service today with Good Ranchers. Go to goodranchers.com. Use code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, for 30 bucks off any box. Promo code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, at goodranchers.com. Goodranchers.com. American meat delivered. Speaking of national humiliations, Kamala Harris. I guess I could just end it there. Speaking of national humiliations, Kamala Harris. <laughs> she just gave a speech in which she she committed a gaffe. And a gaffe, most people think a gaffe is when a politician accidentally says something that he doesn't mean to say. A gaffe is actually when a politician act, accidentally tells the truth. And that's what happened here when Kamala Harris accidentally articulated the ultimate goal of so many leftist policies. Think about the impact on something like public health. When we invest in clean energy and electric vehicles and reduce population, more of our children can breathe clean air and drink clean water. What was that? Hold on. Oh, I said we were going to drink clean air and have... No, 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 before that. Oh, we were going to have clean water. No, hold on. I think it was after that. Where was the... Can we play that again, please? Think about the impact on something like public health. When we invest in clean energy and electric vehicles and reduce population... <laughs> hold on. There, okay, there, there we go. We got it. We got it. Re- reduce population? She opens up. She says, think about the effect on public health. And then as part of public health, she suggests we reduce the population. Reducing the population means killing people. Or at the very, the most charitable way you could read that is sterilizing people, getting people not to have kids, whether physically or just culturally. That's what they want. They really do want it reduce the population. And they've, they've said it sometimes overtly, sometimes only implicitly. This has been true since Margaret Sanger and the birth control movement. It's been true since the, the most radical forms of liberalism. And it's really been true since the Garden of Eden because the devil and the principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places that controls this world really doesn't like people. And so all these left-wing policies keep coming down to the same point. 
which is reducing population, which is killing human beings. Isn't that weird? Shouldn't that make you scratch your head if you're a liberal? You say, wait, all of these, all of these policies, abortion, the encouragement of deviant sexual behaviors, sterilization, euthanasia, so-called, the f- planned parenthood, contraception, on and on and on, all for, for supposedly different purposes, for women's freedom, for climate protection, for compassion for the elderly and the sick, for this, for that. They, they totally change the justification, but the end result is always the same, killing people. Shouldn't that give you pause? You say, hold on, the practical effect of all of my policies is killing people, no matter what the justification is. Maybe we're the baddies. Maybe, are we potentially the baddies? When you look around the world and you say, wow, the vast majority of the world doesn't kill anywhere near as many babies as we do, and they don't permit killing babies as late in the game as we do. In in fact, the, the countries with the most radical abortion policies are America, Canada, sorry to say, China and North Korea, which are not great regimes. So are we, are we the baddies? Are we on the wrong side of this issue? Russia, which is a place with all sorts of problems that has done all sorts of bad things, they're not chopping off little kids' body parts. They're actually banning that. We're promoting that. Are we, on this particular issue, are we perhaps the baddies? Are we, if our motivating drive here is to reduce the population. And the whole point of statecraft is so that people can flourish. It's to pursue the good and to avoid evil and to allow people to live happy lives, which is articulated in our Declaration of Independence. Life, liberty, and the, sometimes the classical liberals, they'll, they want to rewrite the Declaration of Independence as John Locke articulated this phrase, and they'll say that we're here to, for life, liberty, and property. That's, that's not it. That's not what Jefferson wrote. That's not what the founding fathers wrote. They said life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which refers to a more classical conception of statecraft, which is the common good. What is law? The classical conception of the law is that law is an ordinance of reason for the common good by him who has care of the community and promulgated. It's not good to kill people. That doesn't, that doesn't help people's good. And that's what they want. Now, speaking of killing people, Speaking of Democrats making gaffes, RFK Jr. just got in a lot of trouble for a conversation that appears to have been secretly recorded at some kind of a donor political event in which he discusses one theory about COVID. We have we've put hundreds of millions of dollars into uh, ethnically targeted microbes. The Chinese have done the same thing. In fact, COVID-19, there's an argument that it is ethnically targeted. COVID-19 attacks certain races um, disproportionately. The, uh, the, 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 the races that are most immune to COVID-19 are because of the, of the structure of the, of, um, the genetic structure, of, uh, uh, genetic differentials among different races of the, um, of the receptors of the ACE2 receptor, um, COVID-19 is targeted to attack uh, Caucasians and uh, and uh, and uh, black people. 
the people who are most immune are Ashkenazi Jews and, uh, and Chinese. And but not, we don't know whether it was deliberately targeted that or not, but there are papers out there that show the, you know, the, um, the racial and ethnic differential and of impact to that. That's pretty crazy, huh? That's pretty wild, the idea that COVID could discriminate by race and that COVID would most target white and black people and the, the groups that are least susceptible to COVID would be Chinese and Ashkenazi Jews. That seems totally crazy, right? And as everybody was yelling and calling RFK a, a kook and a nut and an anti-Semite, before I addressed any of that, I thought, well, let me just Google and see if any of this is true. And then I pulled up this paper. This is a paper that was published in BMC Medicine. It's a real medical journal. This is from uh, people at the Cleveland Clinic. This is people at Columbia University. So these are serious scientists and scholars. The headline is New Insights into Genetic Susceptibility of COVID-19, an ACE2 and TMPR SS2 polymorphism analysis. So ACE2, I guess that's referring to what, what Bobby Kennedy Jr. was talking about here. And then we've got, we've got some numbers here. The background here, the, the analysis across the, the different groups, across the different populations. And it, it finds, well, exactly what he's talking about. It says that for uh, African Americans and for white people, the risk is much higher and for East Asians, the risk is relatively lower. And for Ashkenazi Jews, the risk is uh, the lowest among any of those groups. Okay, so that part is true. Now, there's a flip side to this. I said, so hold on, you're telling me that COVID doesn't affect Jews? I Googled that. I said, that doesn't sound right. And I find another study that uh, is from another medical journal and says there's elevated Jewish mortality from coronavirus in England and Wales, an epidemiological and demographic detective story. So you got the one study, it says because of this ACE2 receptor, whatever the hell it is, uh, you've got very low Jewish, uh, Ashkenazi Jewish susceptibility to the virus. And then this other study, it says you've got elevated mortality. So what does this mean? How the hell should I know? I majored in history and Italian literature. I don't know what an ACE2 receptor is. I don't even really believe scientific studies. I don't, do I think that uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr. hates the Jews or Chinese? I don't know why they didn't say he was, wasn't anti-Chinese racist or something like that. But I don't know. Does he, do I think that? No, I don't really think that. He's sort of an eccentric guy. You know what I do think, though? The only thing I can conclude from this whole episode is I don't know anything about the COVID science or whatever, you know? The main takeaway here for me is that the media are going to treat Bobby Kennedy Jr. as a Republican. Because this whole episode has nothing to do with the papers, the, the people who are calling him a complete maniac and a racist and a this and a that. They don't even point out, he's referring to a real scientific study that's been out for a few years. They, they don't engage in that study. They're not raising studies that might perhaps question those results. It has nothing to do with that at all. They don't care what he said. They're just going to call him a racist because that's what the libs do to conservatives when conservatives are in public life. So Bobby Kennedy Jr., who is a Kennedy, who is from the most prominent Democrat family in the country right now, because he is questioning the liberal establishment, because he's going up against Biden in this presidential race, he is going to be treated as a Republican. 
he is going to be treated as a conservative. He's going to be a racist. Doesn't matter what he says. Doesn't matter what he means. Doesn't matter what studies he cites. The COVID stuff doesn't even matter. Increasingly, this guy, he could talk about tax policy. He could talk about Ukraine. He could talk about anything. They will treat him that way and it will probably work. Right now, Bobby Kennedy seems to have maxed out his support at 17 to 19%. Hard to imagine that the the establishment lets him get any higher than that. Now, speaking of the 2024 election, CNN is reporting that Joe Biden is not actually running for re-election. CNN reports that top Democrats and donors have reached out to, quote, possible replacements for Joe Biden and had conversations about them getting in the race as Joe Biden struggles for the White House. What does this mean? This is I, I had the same reaction to this CNN report as I had to the viral moment of Bobby Kennedy talking about genetic susceptibility to the coronavirus, which is the story is not the story itself. The story is the way that it's playing out in the media. Do I, I don't trust CNN on anything. So do I trust that Biden's not running? No, I think Biden probably does want to run for president. I don't, I don't trust that report. What I what I now know from the CNN story is that top Democrats and the media and the liberal establishment do not want Biden to run. And the reason they don't want Biden to run is not because he's extremely old and incompetent and has wind blowing through his ears. That's been true for 50 years of Joe Biden's politics, at least the fact that he wasn't always the sharpest tool in the shed. And they already knew that he was elderly when he ran the first time. That's not it. The reason that they don't want him to run for reelection is because right now he's probably going to lose at least if the election is fair, at least there's a good shot that he loses. And what does that mean? That means that contrary to what you've been hearing from a lot of the media reports, that there's no way that Donald Trump could ever possibly beat Joe Biden. The liberal media clearly think that Donald Trump could beat Joe Biden because right now Donald Trump is overwhelmingly likely to get the GOP nomination. So if they felt that Biden could beat Trump, walk away with it, then they would make Biden the nominee and then he would quietly go off into the sunset after he won re-election. I suspect they also think that Ron DeSantis could beat Joe Biden. But my takeaway here is they fear that the likely GOP nominee, the one who's up 30 points in the polls, Donald Trump, could beat Biden. And I think that he could probably beat him too. Now, when Dr. Jordan B. Peterson made the decision to join Daily Wire Plus, it was a major win for those who champion free speech and intellectual debate. With one year of unparalleled output, his contributions have set new standards and remained unmatched by any other platform. Daily Wire Plus now has a vast array of exclusive Jordan Peterson content, offering hundreds of hours of captivating content you won't find anywhere else. Jordan has created thought-provoking works that reshape your perspective on a life, which include vision and destiny, marriage, and dragons, monsters, and men. Additionally, you can immerse yourself in discussions that nurture your spiritual side, such as Logos and Literacy, and Jordan's groundbreaking series on the book of Exodus. That's only the beginning. I have not even mentioned the, his Beyond Order lecture series or his extensive archive of lectures and podcasts. This is the compendium of all things Jordan. Plus, there's even more new exclusive content on the horizon. It's only the beginning. By becoming a Daily Wire Plus member, you will embark on an unforgettable experience that will fuel your thirst for knowledge and inspire personal growth like never before. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe to become a member today. My favorite comment yesterday is from Raider Batman who says, the secret service is staying true to its name. They're keeping everything they find a secret. So true. 
including and especially fingerprints on dime bags of the old Colombian nose candy found in the West Wing. Speaking of presidential politics, back to that candidate forum. Tucker really did a number on Mike Pence. He may have gone even harder on a candidate polling even lower. That would be former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson. This is a permanent change we are making to a child. Why would we allow that if we don't allow surgery? Well, permanent change is one issue, but also hormonal treatment is a different issue and can be a different issue. And whenever you look at the bill that I vetoed, there was not any grandfather clause in there. Again, uh, I respect legislators that have a different view, but I think independently, I think of the parents, I think of the Constitution, and actually the court, if you read the decision of the federal judge that struck it down as unconstitutional, really sided with parents as well. But how is, it, tre- but how is it treatment? I guess that's my question. If you have a child who says, who's born a boy, I want to become a girl, he hasn't gone through puberty yet, he's say 10. Is it treatment? to prevent him from going through the natural process of adolescence? How is that treatment? It, it seems not like treatment. It seems like something else. Well, you have to, Tucker, I hope that we'll be able to talk about some issues. I know that- Well, this is can... one of the biggest issues in the country, and I think I would, every person in this room would agree that it is a, a central issue because it, these are children. Tucker hits the nail on the head here. In the whole framing of the question, he says, why do you support this treatment? And Asa Hutchinson tries to avoid moral reasoning. He says, well, look, Tucker, I just don't think that we need to be interfering in treatment. And Tucker points out, he says, no, 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 Asa, the question is, is this treatment or not? Yeah, I agree. If a man really could become a woman, and if some kids are actually born in the wrong body or whatever that means, and if you could then chop them up and then put them in the right body or whatever, I guess that would be treatment. But that's the debate. The whole debate is, is this treatment or not? It's, it's the same issue with abortion. Same, a similar kind of issue here when we're debating abortion, which is the libs say, look, maybe you support abortion, maybe you don't. But I think we all agree a woman needs to have the right to choose. And the pro-life side says, the right to choose what? The, the, the choice here at play is precisely what we're debating. It's the same thing with the debate over gay marriage. Listen, you might not support gay marriage. You don't need to get involved in a gay marriage. But I think we all can agree here that we all have the right to marriage. And the conservatives say, yeah, sure. But the question is, what is marriage? That's what we're debating. What is marriage? What is a woman? What is life? What is treatment? And then Asa realizes he was just, he just got got. So he tries to deflect and he says, well, look, I hope we can talk about some issues. And Tucker says, what freaking issue do you want to talk about that's more urgent than this? We're, we're castrating a generation of children we're chopping them up and lowering their life expectancy and condemning them to a a life that will be much more miserable than it otherwise would be. What do you want to talk about? You want to talk about marginal corporate tax cuts, Asa? I think everyone in this room realizes this is an important issue. And Asa has nothing and he just sputters. This is what happens when you hire managers. There, There are two kinds of Republicans one increasingly sees. There are 
conservatives who are offering an alternative vision for our country and what it what good looks like and what flourishing life looks like. And then there are managers. There are people who are going to manage liberalism in a slightly more efficient way. And Asa Hutchinson is in the latter category. He's saying, yeah, look, I agree with the liberals on everything. I defer to the scientists and the technocrats and the the leading liberals on everything. But I'm just going to do it in a way that's a little bit more efficient and polite. Oh, okay, cool. Wow, boy, let's go. Where do I sign up? It so stirs my soul so much. The other candidate who did not fare terribly well from this grilling by Tucker, Senator Tim Scott. Stop this war. Yeah. And, and reach a peace as, as one does, where both sides, you know, concede some of their interests. Like, why wouldn't that be in our interest to do that? I think the faster we get to peace, the better off we are. What we don't want to do, from my perspective, is allow ourselves to ask for a premature peace that cannot be achieved as the alliances continue to come together. Uh, to the extent that we can find our path out of this situation, the better off we are. So what's the point at which we'll know that we've achieved our goal? Just, and, and I say that within the context of having watched 20 years of occupation in Afghanistan where nobody could answer the question, what's the point? Yes. And no one in Congress ever asked that question, amazingly. So what is the, what is the specific goal here? Yeah, so I would say that the objective should be for Zelensky and Ukraine to be able to achieve victory by maintaining as much of their territory as they possibly can and then seeing the resources that we've deployed along with our Western alliances, achieving the peace that I believe comes when you get these two folks to sit down and have a conversation that allows them to determine where those lines will be drawn for the next hundred years. Okay. (laughs) Tucker just lets it go. Okay. But Tim Scott didn't say anything there. He, He did his best and he's a nice guy, but he didn't say anything. He said, I want peace. But we need, we, we shouldn't achieve a peace before we can have a peace that is achievable. And Tucker presses him and says, well, what's that look like? When do we know we've achieved the peace that is achievable? And he says, well, it's when these guys, Putin and, and Zelensky, when they sit down and they have a conversation. Okay, what's the point of the conversation? Well, the point of the conversation is going to be they're going to work out what the limits are. Yeah, right. That's the question. What are the limits? What What is it? What is the, okay, check, check, check. We've got our, we've accomplished our goals. Now the war is over. Well, he says it a little bit earlier in the answer. He says, well, it's when Zelensky can keep as much of his land as he possibly can. Okay, well, as much of his land as he possibly can keep is all of it. So now you're saying that the war is going to continue until Ukraine maintains its territorial integrity that it had before what? Two years ago? That it had before 2014? That it had before the invasion of Crimea? That it had? That's never going to happen. This is a thousand year territorial dispute that we're talking about in Ukraine. So Tim Scott's answer effectively is we're going to have war forever. Which was the which was the answer in Afghanistan, but the the imperialists who supported that didn't have the courage of their convictions to actually say it. Maintaining an overseas empire is a common theme throughout history, and it's a defensible position. Might not be your position, might not be my position. It's a defensible one, but the people who were arguing for that couldn't really make the argument. They didn't want to make the argument because when when you ask these imperialists. When you ask these foreign adventurists, 
what is the goal of this war? The answer is the goal is to keep it going. And what the, the more conservative people are saying right now, lowercase c conservative, they're saying, well, you know, when you're just engaged in an open-ended war with a nuclear former superpower where you're encroaching on a buffer state that previously separated you two guys who were at a, on the brink of nuclear war for the back half of the 20th century, closest we've ever come to an all-out nuclear war, uh, that gets pretty dangerous. And no one, except for like one guy at a candidate forum, no one seems to want to press the candidates on that question as we all sleepwalk into World War III. You know, the rest of the show continues now on that happy note. You don't want to miss it. Become a member. Use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. It's Music Monday, baby. We'll see you at the member block.